Awaken podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Well, hi, friends. I'm Jenna. If we haven't met, I'm the executive pastor at Awaken. Um, Welcome to you uh, this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whenever you are tuning in um, to the Awaken podcast. Uh, If you are new, I can only imagine what it's like to be navigating a faith community during a pandemic, Um, but we want to know that you are with us. So if you are interested in connecting at Awaken, hearing a little bit more about Awaken, getting to know someone on staff, you can fill out a connection card online. There's a button that says, I'm new, and you can click on that. And Kathy Solomon, our Director of Community Life, will contact you. And again, we would just love to get to know you and um, see how we can help you navigate community right now. Um, I have the privilege today of getting to lead us in a call to worship. Uh, Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Um, Lent is historically the season in the church calendar that is marked by this idea of returning. Uh, Returning to God, returning to self, returning to each other. And I know for me that idea of returning, um, yeah, is something I have been chewing on, especially with Lent coming up. And this was the season we were in a year ago when we stopped gathering, when the whole world changed. And so uh, this invitation um, of returning, uh, I I want to lean on Jan Richardson and this blessing in a book called Circle of Grace um, and her words, um, I don't know, to mark this idea of what it means to return. So maybe an invitation for you to settle in, maybe take a few deep breaths and receive these words. Remember. You were built for this, the ancient path inscribed upon your bones, the persistent pattern echoing in your heartbeat. Let this be the season you turn your face toward the one who calls to you. Return, return. Let this be the day you open wide your arms to the wind that knows how to bear you home. Amen. Amen, let's sing together. God, our Father, giver of daily bread, blessing our hands and covering our
kids. I'm Mandy. I'm the kids community director. Wow, this week was a big one. You guys got to come and pick up your new boxes. This box is full of so many fun things. I'm going to walk through a few. In general, there are six weeks of activities and crafts and lessons and so much fun and hopefully great conversation for your family. So I want to just walk through and tell a little bit about what is inside the box. Now some of you have probably already gone through and emptied it out and checked it all out and if you haven't, grab your box and do it with me now. So there are various cards in here. Now each card has exactly what weeks the lessons are for. This is gonna walk through a season that we're, we're in right now called Lent. So it officially starts today. You can grab Lent week one and go ahead and follow what it says. There is a Bible lesson, there is questions, and actually it's gonna be awesome for some of you who may not even know what Lent is because this week you're gonna talk about what Lent is. You're gonna learn all about it. Why do we celebrate Lent? And what does the Bible tell us about this time before we get to Easter, when we celebrate Jesus um, dying on the cross and rising again? So each week there are cards and then on the back are the activities and everything you should need is in your box. And I'm not gonna go through all of it today because I'm gonna do that throughout the month or the next six weeks. Um, but I do want to call out the last one. It says Holy Week. So I want to make sure that you have not opened this. There's a little basket this is in because this is for Holy Week. This is for the last week. And this is going to be, these are called Easter Story Eggs. And inside each egg is a part of the story. So we can help understand why we celebrate Easter. So save this. Don't open it yet because there are lots of little pieces in there and I want you to wait until that final week. And I wanna show you this. So we are so excited about this. You have little planting cups in your box and those are actually what you wanna do this week. On the back of your week one card, it says planting and there's an extra little instruction sheet in your box that's gonna tell exactly how to use these because Inside, there's a little label marker you can create color on and draw, and there's also this, which looks maybe very different to some of you, but this is the soil. So follow the instructions. You're gonna make this soil expand, and then you're gonna plant, and guess what? You're gonna plant a flower that we hope we can nurture and water, and I want you to really care for this plant through the whole Lent. Make sure it has the right amount of sun. Maybe it needs more sun, maybe it needs less but also you have an extra cup and you have an extra pack of seeds in your box that is labeled with some kind of vegetable. And we are so excited. It's finally happening after three years of our awakened community garden. You guys get to grow. You guys get to start the garden. So you're gonna start the vegetable seeds and then at a time I will keep you all posted. You're gonna bring those plants because hopefully they'll be ready to plant in our garden right outside. And we are just going to think about that all summer when we see those plants and how they grew through your Lent journey. So that is what these are for. Also in the box, we have this little fun thing. I thought this would be really fun for you to sing with Melody and the team at home. You can make music with them. And it's a little egg, so kind of fun. 
um, we have this sheet here. Now, you're also going to use this for an art project, which you can read about. But this is the Lord's Prayer. And this is what we're going to try to memorize and learn by the end of Lent. And then I want to show the book. Now, some of you don't get the book, but you can definitely still get it probably at a bookstore or at the library. And it is called Rise Up and Write It. And many of you did get this book. And I don't know if you've read it yet, but it is a really special book. And it actually circles around various parts of our themes throughout Lent. So I'm just going to read the back so you can get a little idea in case you don't have it, because I think you're going to want it. It says, when Farah Patel, so it gives a little summary, when Farah realizes that the butterflies have disappeared from her neighborhood, she discovers that it's likely because there aren't enough flowers to attract them. She can't help but think this isn't right. Luckily enough, Grove Hills is looking for ideas on what to do with the empty lot next door. And she has the perfect idea. Make it into a community garden to bring back a little green to their block. But when Farah finds out that she isn't the only one with a plan for the future of Grove Hills, she'll have to turn to her community for help. Follow along with Farah as she rises up and brings her neighborhood together with letters, petitions, postcards, and more to help make their home a little better one step at a time. So this has letter writing, which is going to be our sermon series you'll hear more about. Um, it talks about how Farah starts by writing a letter. And most importantly, I want you guys to know throughout Lent and my times with you on Sunday mornings that your words matter. And I want you to think about Farah and think about how your life could make a difference. And we've talked a lot about that, and we're specifically talking about letters. So this is all about the ways that Farah used her words. And we can use our words through our voice, or we can use our words on paper. Our voice can come out in the words that we write. So we're going to go through each week and talk about different ways that we can be using our words through what we write, through letters. And your challenge for Lent is to write six letters. Now we're going to spread that out each week. This week, I want you to think about who in your life is someone that has taught you about Jesus? Who has helped you see the love of God, maybe experience the love of God? It could be your parents, it could be your grandparents, it could be a neighbor, it could be a friend at church, it could be one of your teachers at church. Who has helped you learn more about Jesus? And think about how that has made a difference in your life. And then I want you to actually write a letter to that person. So in your box, there's also a special notebook. And it kind of looks like stationery. You can use the notebook for lots of different things. You can jot down ideas. Maybe after you read this book, you're going to have your own ideas of ways you want to bring change and advocate. Or maybe it's to write your actual letters. You can write a letter to someone this week who has helped you to see Jesus, who has helped you to, to know more about God's love. And ask your parents to help you mail that letter. That would be really special because you know what? Your words matter so much, and your words can change someone else. Your words can make someone else's day better 
maybe someone else's week better or life better. And it is so important that we use our words and that we don't keep them to ourselves. So I hope that you will do that this week, along with maybe starting your first card and make sure you start planting because we need to get our garden growing. I hope that you have a great week and I look forward to going through lots more stuff in the box in the next few weeks. Thank you, Mandy. All right, let's sing the song of blessing over our kids. Welcome to Awaken, friends. My name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad that you're here. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it will be 35 degrees. That's about a difference of, well, according to the low tonight, 20, uh, 55 degrees. So you may be tempted to put shorts on, and i got to be honest, I'm not going to stop you. Uh, it's been a pretty chilly week, but uh, things are looking up in the world, friends. The weather's getting better. I heard birds outside our window the other day. That was pretty sweet. But I'm glad that you're here. However you've made your way to Awaken this morning, I trust that the Spirit of God uh, is leading and guiding and drawing you to herself. Um, You do know that in Hebrew, the Spirit of God is feminine, don't you? Um, But I trust that that's true, that uh, the Spirit is at work, leading, guiding, moving. So, welcome. Uh, Today we begin a new series. It's called The Power of a Letter. The Power of a Letter. Uh, When we first started thinking about Lent and what kind of journey we wanted to take together in Lent, we were struck by the obvious challenge of being distant and uh, far from one another. But Lent, of course, is this journey that begins on Ash Wednesday. Uh, it, it, It begins on Ash Wednesday and it involves ashes. These ashes remind us of our finitude, our humanity, our frailty, um, that And it's this journey where we set aside space and time uh, in our lives with intentional actions of maybe denial or withdrawal. Think of Jesus when he withdrew from into the desert for 40 days and fasted before his public ministry um, in hopes that he would be fully present for his journey to the cross uh, through death and ultimately to resurrection. So that's what we're hoping happens in Lent, this season where we take some time, we are intentional with our actions. Uh, we maybe abstain or withdraw in some ways in order to be present in other ways. And so some of us are giving up things for Lent. Uh, I'd invite you, if you're not sure what you're doing, um, if you'd like to, give up alcohol. That's going to be my Lenten fast this year. At, at, at a church where, you know, we, we welcome and we celebrate the finer things of life, things that taste good and uh, are crafted with intention and creativity, spirit and food and wine. Um, you know, it's good to maybe take a break sometimes, be, uh, to, to um, 
to examine our relationship with those things, to, to uh, allow ourselves to see that we are not mastered by them and that they do not have ultimate power over us. But we choose how we interact with them. So if you want to do that with me, you're welcome to, or something else. Some of you may be adding something for Lent. All this is good, right? Uh, good and hopefully will create time and space and uh, a posture of readiness for us as we move towards, well, Holy Week. Um, so as we thought about Lent, we were struck by the distance that we were going to have between us and um, in our worship experience. But it got us thinking about letters. You know, old-fashioned letters where you sit down at a table or a desk and you take a pen. It's a, it's a marking device and a piece of paper. Um, you know, good old-fashioned college-ruled paper. And you write down your thoughts. <laughs> And you send them to another person. Like in a galaxy uh, far, far away, uh, a long, long time ago, there was when you had distance between you and another person, this is what you would do. You would write down your thoughts to communicate your love and care for someone. And there's something about the power of a letter, is there not? Um, Letters take time and intentionality. Like anyone can start yammering on and, you know, um, blabbering and using words and they're, they're easy to speak, they're easy to offer without much precision, but a letter, it takes time, and it takes, like, uh, it takes precision. You have to pick your words carefully when you're not speaking them, um, and then you have to like capture your thoughts and put them on a piece of paper by writing with your hand. Like you got to mean it when you send a letter, you know? It's not for the faint of heart. You can't do it flippantly. And letters, they last um, they're not fleeting. Like when someone says something, uses words, you might remember those words, but a letter, like there's something to it. It's, it's substantive and it remains. It stands the test of time. A couple months ago, we were cleaning out a, a, like a closet space in our house, which ends up being just a dump zone for all kinds of things. But in that dump zone was a box of letters. The kids found my Laura's box of letters that I had written to her. And uh, she was like, oh my gosh, they can't read our love letters. And I was like, oh no, heaven forbid, our kids would learn that their dad is head over heels for their mom. I said, let them read them. Let them learn a few things about love. Come on, and heartbreak, desire. So yeah, they found those letters because they lasted. They're still there. Like, you keep those kinds of things. And letters slow things down, don't they? Like in a world where you got news tickers and TikTok and Twitter, I, I, when I watch the news, I can't even like keep track of all the things that are happening. It's all going so fast. And it's hard, it's instant, it's, and it's hard to say what you mean or even take it all in when things are moving so fast. But a letter, it's kind of old school, you know? Uh, you got to mail a letter. You got to write it, and then you got to mail it, and uh, you got to wait for the the person to read it and then respond. And you have to depend on somebody else to deliver your letter. It's like the ultimate anti-selfie move, which I'm all for. In fact, when I was finishing up this sermon just yesterday, Sunday morning, I woke up at 6.30 for whatever reason, couldn't get back to sleep. I went downstairs and I started working on this, but then I thought, you know, it's Valentine's Day. And so I wrote three letters a tradition that I have where I write my three daughters a Valentine's letter and declare my love for them as their dad, you know? With one of them, I was like, oh my gosh, our, our time is drawing nigh. Like, this, is, this season's almost over. It got all weepy. My oldest is 17. She'll be moving out someday soon. And um, 
But I wrote down those things and they keep them um, because letters are powerful. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next six weeks. We're going to look at, uh, we're going to think about the power of a letter. And we're going to look at six different letters. We're going to look at a letter from Paul, a letter from Jesus, a letter from Luke. Uh, we'll talk more about that. But um, then, actually, biblical ones. But then we're going, to, we're going to go outside of the Bible. There's a letter from a Birmingham jail by Dr. Martin Luther King. We're going to look at that. There's a letter from prison by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And there's a letter from uh, a mother to a daughter, Maya Angelou, to her daughter. So we're going to look at these letters. And we're going to savor the power of the letter. We're going to ask the Spirit of God to take these letters and use them to speak to us. We're going to take snippets from them and explore what might they say to the church gathered in 2021 as we make our way with intention through Lent to the death and resurrection of Jesus. So that's the plan, friends. It's the power of a letter. Let's do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're going to start the series. We're going to start with Paul, a real predictable move. He's got a lot of them. So if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 1 and just a couple of verses this morning. Paul writes this, are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Pray with me. God, this morning, as we begin this series and we think about the power of a letter, I pray that your spirit would move and act and draw us close and invite us um, to think about and to become the kinds of people that, um, Jesus, you enable us to be by your spirit present in us. And so uh, speak, use these words that um, have been captured both in scripture and outside of scripture to offer a word of challenge and hope and encouragement to your church gathered, I pray in the, um, in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the spirit. The church said together, amen, amen, and amen. Why did I use a southern accent? I feel like I've been watching something with a southern accent. But either way, a lot of things I've been watching lately, let's be honest. It's a pandemic for crying out loud. Um, so, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul, the apostle, he wrote a whole bunch of letters. If you're not familiar with the New Testament, much of it was written by Paul. And if it bears Paul's name, it's likely a letter. He wrote lots of them. Many that we have in scripture and many that we don't have actually in scripture. A little more about that in a minute. Um, but the church, uh, the, the letter to Corinth was no exception. Uh, Paul wrote, um, actually, he wrote, uh, according to scholars, he wrote four letters to the church in Corinth, two of which we have preserved. So we have basically 2 Corinthians, which we call 1 Corinthians, and 4 Corinthians, which we call 2 Corinthians. So we got letters two and four. Um, but Paul wrote a whole bunch of letters to churches, uh, a lot of them like ours, maybe even smaller. These little communities of faith found in the world trying to figure out what does it mean to follow this Jesus. And so he writes to this group of people and um, a, little, uh, a few things that you should know about Corinth before we jump into it. Uh, two things that I want to mention. Number one is, it uh, has to do with sex. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, Corinth was a crazy, crazy place. In terms of the ancient world, in ancient Greece, Corinth stood out from the rest of it. If you think about the ancient world in ancient Greece in particular, often it's a bit licentious, so anything kind of goes, and Corinth was sort of like Vegas of 
of the ancient world. Uh, it, was, it was strategically located on an isthmus, which is like a strip of land between two other land masses. And so there was a canal between that connected two different seas. And so it was a port city on both sides. So sailors would come and participate in any number of things that you could imagine. Uh, Aristophanes, an ancient writer, writes, to Corinthianize was polite Greek speak for practicing immorality. Like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Um, common speak among the sailors was not for every man is the journey to Corinth. Um, so you had that going on in the background of Corinth, but then you also had this sort of pantheon of gods and, and the, the striking monotheism of Paul's letters. Um, when you're talking about the ancient world in which Corinth was, you have to remember that there was a, uh, it was a buffet of options in terms of gods and goddesses, fertility cults and sex gods and gods of the earth and the, the, the sea and the wind and the rain and all these other, all, all these kinds of options. And then you had the biblical story, the one that Paul was representing, which was a monotheistic story, that there was one God that this God was involved with and cared for creation, that God not only cared for creation, but so much so that God came to us in the person of Jesus to show us what humanity looked like and um, uh, when it was lived well and to ultimately redeem and restore all the things that had been broken. So this is the context into which Paul was writing. It was the outer edge of extreme practice and belief. So that's just a little bit of uh, context for Corinth. So then you look at the verses that we read. Verse 1, are we beginning to commend ourselves again or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? I had a sixth grade teacher whose name was Blanche Burroughs. She would uh, ask rhetorical questions and of course we were sixth graders. We didn't really know what they were. So she would ask a question and then she'd say, that's a rhetorical question. Do not answer it. Paul begins this part of his letter, chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, with a rhetorical question. He's essentially saying, um, and it's important to know why, why he's writing this letter. Paul's writing because they are questioning his authority as an apostle. So there's a lot going on. Paul was planning on visiting. He wasn't able to make it, so people are skeptical. People are disappointed. And there's a rumor or rumors going around that are that's essentially questioning whether Paul is really an apostle. Like, you know, these people have certain standards and they get paid to do these things and so on and so forth, and Paul didn't. And so lots of reasons they were like, Paul's not an apostle. His, his authority is not worthy of listening to. And so Paul says, essentially... Do we need to produce credentials for you? Like think about a press secretary and they come in and they're like, oh yeah, I represent this, this agency or this, um, this you know, news station. They have credentials that they have to show them. Paul says, like, do you want us, our, one, one translation says, are we beginning all over again to produce our credentials for you? He's asking this rhetorical question. Like, why this suspicion of me and my ministry? Are you carding me right now? I'm 50. <laughs> I'm not 50, I'm 44. But like, you know, when you go into a bar and they card you and you're like, are you kidding me? Okay, whatever. He's like, are you carding me right now? Do you want me to show you my credentials? And then he answers the rhetorical question in verses 2 and 3 by saying, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. He says, you're the credentials. You're the proof of ministry, like a letter written on my heart and like a letter written on your hearts for the world to see the love of Christ, the faithfulness of God. A letter that lasts and stands the test of time insofar as you stand the test of time and remain. 
And then Paul taps into two stories that if you're familiar with the Bible, you would have known. Ezekiel the prophet and Moses. He says, this isn't a letter written on tablets of stone, but it's written on hearts by the Spirit of God. Ezekiel chapter 36 says, I will give you a new heart. Put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So the prophet was saying, what had been this letter from God written in stone, which he also references, Moses on, on Mount Sinai, he says, God will do something new and that law, that letter will now be written not in stone but on, in flesh, on human hearts by the spirit. So this is what he says. Moses' credibility as an agent of God was these stone tablets. When he had to show his credentials, he's like, look at these things. I was there. But Paul says, you, the hearts of you, the people of the church of Corinth, is where it's written, not with ink on stone, but rather on your hearts by the Spirit. So Paul writes a letter, Corinthians, that stands the test of time. We're still reading it today. And in that letter, he tells the reader... You are a letter. You're the credential. You're the proof. This community of faith, it remains and it stands the test of time. And when people read you and your community, they read and understand the story of God and Jesus and God's faithfulness. So he says, you're the proof. If you want proof for my credentials, it's in you, lived out. So two questions for us to consider this morning. The first question is, who is written on your heart? If Paul's using this metaphor, see it's sort of a play on words that we're doing here, the power of a letter, it's the letter 2 Corinthians, but then he says actually the letter is in you. Who is written on your heart? Who has invested in you? Who's poured out their life and their energy and their words and their time and in doing so left a letter written on your heart? Said differently, who's discipled you? The word uh, disciple in Hebrew is Talmudim, which is essentially what Jesus is doing when he's wandering around the Sea of Galilee and the neighboring villages, calling people to follow him. Because he's essentially saying, come and do what I'm doing. I'll show you how to be a disciple. I got a, I got a couple pictures here for you guys today. This is the close-up, right? Josie? Yeah, okay. So, um, I, when I, I got to go to Israel... Uh, in 2013, and I'll show you this picture. This is me standing on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, this was taken by my friend Becky. And she captured this moment, and I'll fill in a little bit of the backstory for you. As I stood here on the Sea of Galilee, and I looked out over this water, what you can't see is that I'm just weeping. I'm crying. Because in that moment, I, I was overwhelmed by... Um, not only I'm standing in this place where Jesus would have walked and, and wandered around and taught and called these disciples, but as I'm thinking about what would have happened here 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus calling these disciples and then pouring his life out into them, I began to think about all of the people in my life. And I began to recount the moments and the people who had written their letter on my heart. I began to think about Charlie Cool, <laughs> K-U-H-L, before this clothing company ever happened. He only had like four fingers. Um, one of them was lost. I don't really remember how, but um, he was my small group leader in youth group when I was in junior high. 
Charlie Cool, he had a, a, a Mazda B2200, and he would cart with like two jump seats in the back, and he would pick, you know, after youth group, we would, he would pile us into his little, you know, two in the front and two in the back, and we would go to Bridgman's after youth group for our small group. And Charlie Cool is written on my heart. I began to think about my youth pastor, Phil Thompson, and all the, all the moments that he poured his life into me and gave advice and was there for me in difficult times. I began to think about college and my professors, R.J. Kerper, and my buddy Matt Hartman, who used to sit toe-to-toe, knee-to-knee across at sunrise sunset eating, oh, what was that? It was this gigantic plate of food that I could never finish. It was like a big garbage pail. But Matt poured his life into me, and then I began to think about my adult life all while I'm standing here in this moment on the Sea of Galilee, thinking about Dave Dirtsu and Renee Franzen and Joel Warney and Rabbi Allen. And even now I'm thinking about people that are intentionally writing their letter of God's faithfulness and God's work in and on my heart, in, in my life. So who has discipled you? And friends, this is part of why the church exists. This is part of why Awaken is here. We're going to read Bonhoeffer in a couple weeks, and he talks about this beautiful thing where the church should be known in the world on the outside for its service and its love and its sacrifice, but on the inside, what's hidden on the inside of the community is life on life and sacrament and the word preached and discipleship. So my hope is that as you come and you participate in the life of our community, that you're finding these kinds of relationships in life groups and in spiritual direction groups and in mentoring and in the breakfast that you have or the lunches that you have where you're, 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 you're meeting with people and you're rubbing shoulders with people who are one step ahead of you in faith or in, in their career or as a mom or a dad and you're learning from them and they're writing their letter of God's faithfulness and on your heart. Paul's point here is his credentials, the proof of God's work in his life is actually written on the hearts of the church in Corinth. So who has invested in you? Who has written their letter on your heart? The second question, which maybe you can predict then, is whose heart is your name being written on? Whose heart is your letter being written on? Who are you investing in? Paul had Timothy and Luke and Barnabas, and then the assumption is that those people gave this story, this faithful story of God, to the next generation, and then fast forward and you and I are here. And we're still doing it. I, I used to be involved in church planter training in the covenant, where we would bring in all these freshly minted church planters who had just gone through assessment. Yep, you should plant a church, and then we'd begin to train them. We'd begin to teach them like how to plant a church or at least from our experience. And Mike Brown would wait all the way, get to the end, the last day, and he would always give this one talk. And it was basically this. It was, don't be the last link in the chain. Someone is going to invest in you, and they're going to give resources, and they're going to maybe send you with people and money and maybe a sound system or kids' ministry equipment, and they're going to invest in you. They're going to write a letter. This church, this community, these people are going to write a letter on your hearts. Then he would say, don't Don't be the last link in that chain. Don't let it stop with you. And a lot of people say like, oh, I'll I'll do this when I get older. And I would say, this isn't about age. This is about how you understand the world and why you're here. This is about like the very fundamental, uh, the the basis of, of human experience. Like, do you believe that you're here to receive and to get all that you can and soak it up and like get what you can while you can get it? 
or is true life and, and, and uh, the best kind of human experience found when you actually give yourself away? So whether you're 12, 20, 30, 40, 50, age is not a requirement to write your letter, write a letter on someone else's heart with your life. We've talked about this before, but in scripture, there's this idea of tov, and I would argue that What we're up to as humans is looking for tov, these places, these seeds of life that are planted, embedded in people and all around us that have the potential for new life. And when we participate in that process of bringing that into existence, that's good. That's what this is about. That's what the Christian life is. So who are you, whose heart are you writing the letter on? Is there anyone in your life who you are intentional about spending time with and investing energy and writing a letter with. I keep a couple pictures in my office. You guys are going to love this. One of them, of course, is the obvious one. These are my kids, long, long ago. Hadley, Dahlia, and Lyndon, you know, cute with the matching rainbow shirts. But like, if you have kids in the world, this is one of the ways in which you write letters that will last, that will remain. You pour yourself into these humans and hope that they learn some things about love and life and heartache and how to succeed and be good humans in the world. So for the parents out there, it's an easy one, right? Your kids are people that you're writing a letter on the hearts of. And then this other one is, this is a doozy. Guys, this is me right here. (laughs) when I was like 24. (laughs) But this is Bruce, this is Eric, this is Rachel, and this is Michaela Vetter. Now Michaela Elsie. I keep these pictures in my office to remind myself that the words that I choose, the words that I speak, the actions that I take in the world, they matter. And they have the possibility, they have the potential to, to nurture life. And Paul, in this letter, uses the analogy that their investment as apostles was in the hearts of the people in Corinth. And so I would just ask you that question of whose heart is getting your letter. To be intentional about that, to think about it, to not waste time but to use it well and wisely. And so as we close this morning with our first letter, um, consider those two questions. Who's, who's written on your heart? Who, who, uh, who are the people that your heart tells the story of, of their investment and their love and their care? But then also, who are you in turn pouring yourself into? Whose letter, whose heart are you writing a letter on? And so I want to leave you with this challenge. Uh, Mandy talked about we're going to do this with the kids and they're going to write letters. And so um, maybe for Lent, this is your Lenten practice. Maybe there's some other things you want to do, but here's the challenge. Um, Each week, I'm going to invite you to write a letter, an old school letter, like get a pen and a piece of paper and write a letter. And, And then put that letter in an envelope and buy some stamps and mail it to the person that you want to write to. 
And so this week, uh, I want to invite you to consider writing a letter to someone who has written on your heart. Someone who has invested in you. Someone who has poured themselves into you. And thank them for that investment. Um, let them know of the fruit of their labor, whatever, however long ago it was. And take some time, sit down, and capture your thoughts, not just in words you speak, but on a piece of paper, and mail it to that person as a discipline, a spiritual discipline this Lenten season. So um, let me lead us in a word of prayer. We'll give you a moment to think about those two questions of who's invested in you and who are you investing in? What letters are you writing with your life? So pray with me, if you will. God, tonight, as we, uh, this morning, I should say, for those watching, um, I pray that uh, in the next few moments of silence, you would bring to mind the people that have written a letter on our hearts. The moments, the stories, uh, the words, the actions, the seasons where someone was intentional with their life and imprinted it on ours. So would you, Holy Spirit, just bring to mind those people. And in the next few moments of silence, just give thanks for them. And Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind uh, maybe a burden, uh, an invitation to notice the people in our lives whom we could be more intentional with as we imprint our lives as a letter on their hearts. And we trust, Holy Spirit, that you will Take what we have, meager and humble as it is, and do far much, uh, much, much more than we could do with it ourselves. So, Holy Spirit, speak, I pray.
that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And whatever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is a new covenant written in my blood. And whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. So as we come to the table, it's important to remember that this is the table of the Lord, not the church. Uh, it's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come, you who have much faith or you who have little faith, you who have been here often or not for a long time or ever before, you who have tried to follow, you who have failed. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So come not because I invite you, as nice as that might be, but because Christ invites you to come and be fed, to be known, to be put back together, to be healed at the table. So as you take the bread, I invite you to hear these words, the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. And as you take the cup, I invite you to hear these words, the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Friends, this brings us to the end of our time, uh, the beginning of Lent, the end of Epiphany. This is the last Sunday that the trees are going to be up. We've, we thought we'd leave them up as long as we could, so Epiphany's over, lights are going out. <laughs> but that means spring's coming, so that's good. Um, it was good to see many of you on Ash Wednesday. Um, thanks for being a part of that. A couple things you should know before we go. Um, by way of announcement, the first thing is there's an Enneagram seminar, February the 27th from 9 to 12 p.m. 
A uh, few spots left in that, so you can still sign up for it. Uh, there's a Zoom worship night tonight, led by our good friend Melodious Melody Olson. Uh, that's 8.30 on Zoom. There is a link in the Awaken Weekly for that. Uh, the spring offerings we've been working on are going to be sent out this week, so you'll have a whole new sort of uh, list of things that the church is offering you can participate in. So I want to encourage you to take those uh Take advantage of those if you can. And last but not least, least there is a uh, examine prayer uh, learning opportunity, March the sixth, from ten to eleven thirty a.m. Um, so you can sign up again. All those are on the Awaken Weekly, sent out by mail. So um, with that, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up His face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up His countenance to you and give you peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the church said together, amen and amen. See you next week, friends. www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter Awaken Community See you next time